All right, hello, and welcome to episode three of The Break. The last two episodes, we covered our predictions for the Eastern and Western Conference, but this week, we'll be switching to our regular season setup. Every week, we'll go through and discuss three topics that vary from anything that happened behind the scenes and off the court, as well as helping you guys navigate the world of NBA Twitter. And a third segment that will focus on possibilities and predictions of things to come. With that being said, today we're going to get into a brief preseason of the NBA had, and especially brief for some teams, and in the spirit of Halloween, a lot of fans know there's nothing scarier this time of year than injuries popping up to haunt their favorite players and kill their fantasy team dreams. So we'll take a look at how the shortened season, preseason have affected these slew of injuries, and with every game that passes. And one of my favorite people in the NBA, Mr. Greg Popovich. So thanks for listening today, guys. I am Pagan Megan Ingalls, and joining me as always will be Justin, R.I.P. Rowan, and Phil Boo Wow, those were really bad. How's it going, guys? That is <laughs> horrid. Like, my, my reputation on Twitter is somebody that has terrible punts and everyone yeah. gets mad at me and I'm Would you say it was like scary bad? <laughs> no. <laughs> That's going to uh, haunt me well, forever. Well, what's not scary is that basketball is finally back and I've never actually seen NBA Twitter this lit up. Twitter even gave us our own emoji. Did you guys see that? There's a little NBA Twitter emoji. I, I did not. <laughs> That's was. lit. Fine. I, I didn't know that. All right, thanks for joining me today, guys. Uh, well, we can't start off talking about the season without going over the preseason first. Now, the league decided to start the regular season a week early and in turn or, uh, shortened the preseason uh, to try and avoid teams having to play multiple back-to-back games. However, starting the season like this seemed to be something that may, some people are saying, has contri- contributed to a lot of injuries. Uh, Justin, do you want to start off? What were your initial thoughts about the preseason and the shorter amount of games? And how do you feel about it now, a week into the regular season? See, I I think starting the season earlier was a great idea and something that needed to happen. Um, But I think there's going to be a bit of an adjustment period. I, I think there's a lot of players that aren't, don't look as sharp as they could be. Um, with them not playing big minutes in the preseason and so few preseason games, um, I think we're, we're starting to see more and more soft tissue injuries. We're, we're starting to see more strains, more, more pulls, um, things like that. Um, of course, it's a very small sample size and correlation doesn't necessarily mean causation, but it's something that I'm kind of keeping an eye on um, because it, it does appear that uh, the players aren't as prepared as they have been. Ultimately, I think it's going to be beneficial off the course of the season. And uh, I mean, the injuries that happened to Gordon Hayward and Jeremy Lin were not a result of that. Those are freak plays that could happen on any possession. Um, but in general, I, I just see more and more players that seem to have get these small little nagging injuries and pulls and and part of me wonders if the lack of preseason and lack of preparation might be a result of that yeah so i actually went so i went through and looked and actually over 50 players in total from pretty much almost every team have some type of injury and this is all updated from the month of october so most of these are pretty recent 
recent. I mean, some of them range. Look at you doing your research. <laughs> some of them. Uh, <laughs> NBA nerd. Some of them range. I mean, some of them are day-to-day game time decisions. But some of them, like you said, uh, Lynn's injury and Hayward's injury are season ending. Um, Phil, what do you think? Do you think it actually led to these injuries? Or considering how many teams actually have players sitting out, let alone might it might just be a game. But still, I think that's still something that you'd have to look at. What do you think? I mean, it's strange also because I was—I remember watching the first Cleveland game and LeBron James after was just saying how he's in, you know, shape that is not conducive to how we, uh, to how he's used to. And there's a lot of guys who space it out. Look, like Justin said, I, I think it's good spacing out the NBA regular season. Like, I think having less back-to-backs is a good thing. But you just kind of need to extend the whole thing then. Like, your preseason needs to be longer. But I don't know. I Like, like I think a lot of these injuries happen in a way that... You couldn't have predicted it. I mean, I remember watching the Gordon Hayward injury and, and, and almost being sick to my stomach. And then the next day, we saw Boston versus uh, Milwaukee. And, and and Giannis goes up for like the same alley-oop dunk that Gordon went down with and lands fine, right? So these guys have the same prep time. And it's, it, it's just, it's freak injuries. I mean, I, I think these guys really train all year round. I don't think... A lack of preseason is as a big a deal. Like it is to teams that have more pieces uh, that are new. Like I think Boston having Kyrie and having Hayward. Like I think it. Like I think if they if Hayward didn't get injured and and Boston drops their first two or three games, I think some continuity play could go there. But I think these guys are such professionals that I I don't really chalk it up to that. I I honestly think it's just. Freak injuries, but uh, but ones that just ravage the NBA. I mean, look, professional sports are all about staying healthy or being injured. I mean, if you look at football, you look at basketball, the best teams tend to be the ones who just somehow, you know, have a clean bill of health. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I I don't as I said I I don't believe that we have enough information at this time to make a definitive statement one way or the other. It's more something that I'm just keeping an eye on, and uh, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, you brought up LeBron as an example, and um, I mean, it, it was a rolled ankle that caused him to only play one preseason game, and that's why he didn't have his conditioning up. But when you have a shorter period of time where those preseason games are taking place, um, any nagging injury like that, teams are going to be extra cautious. They're they're going to rest guys. They're they're not going to chance it for meaningless games. So you have guys that maybe don't have the right conditioning and and aren't in game shape because they, it's one thing to work out all summer. I'm sure almost all the players do that, but to actually get in NBA shape does take some time. Um, and I I just don't think that uh, the players have had enough time to to prepare in that yeah, way. Yeah, I mean I think. I mean, all the players pretty much, I don't see a lot of them sitting out for the whole entire offseason. A lot of them do have their own training regimens and stuff that you think that they would stick to. I think at the very least, I would say it's um, a little interesting that more injuries at least seem to be popping up. And it might just be coincidental that it's a shorter preseason. But I mean, I don't see how that would be a huge effect if they're still working out and they're still doing some type of activity, it seems like it might just be a little bit coincidental. I don't know. Although although I like Certainly Justin's possible. point. Certainly possible. Although I like Justin's point about the game shape versus actual 
like just uh, just cardio and working out shape, right? Because like in every sport, uh, they mention that all the time. Like, like you, uh, you can spend years on the treadmill, but it's not the same as actually putting time on the court. Um, so maybe that like all the little nuances, right? The little like side steps, the little uh, adjustments. It's like it's really tough to. Uh, whether it's you know basketball or MMA fighting or whatever, like unless you're actually getting into it, it's tough to replicate. But I mean, I that. think regardless, like the Timberwolves only played three games total. Like that's a really short amount of games. But I think at the same time, there's nothing stopping them from having more practices if they don't feel quite game ready and they want to condition their players a little bit more. I mean, they're free to throw in more practices in there. It's still they still have two weeks. But they're practicing against themselves, right? Like yeah, they're not- practicing against themselves, and and it's at a different pace. And there are some regulations over how many practices you can have. Like that is something that the league is monitoring because they are making sure that the the, the players aren't overworked. So as I said, I, I think there might just be some fine tuning that's needed. And maybe this is nothing, maybe it's all coincidental, but it's just something that I'm keeping an eye on just because that's that's the way the human body works, that you need to warm up those muscles and, and, and really work them in before you really exert yourself. I mean, that's why so many people get pl- injured playing like softball, like rec league, men's league softball or whatever, because you got people that sit around all day that are trying to be athletic in little bursts and people don't stretch properly. It's the same thing. You you have to work your way up to it. And I'm just curious whether or not players have had enough time yeah, to do sure. so. Um, I think we're kind of going to stay on this topic, but transition a little bit more specifically. Phil, I know you've had some thoughts about this, particularly the um, way Gordon Hayward's injury will affect the Cel- Celtics. Uh, do you think they'll have uh, to make some major changes on their roster? Like they lost a veteran player, so I don't know. How do you see this affecting the team? Do you think they have choices to adjust something this season? Or who do you see coming up and sort of taking his spot? Well, it's kind of interesting. The, uh, the first part of what you're saying is, you know, they lost their arguably first or second best player, depending how you really look at it. I mean, I know there's some Al Horford fans out there, but he's probably not making that list. So um, uh, for me, that first part is really where they see themselves. I think it takes them out of, are you in that top bit with Cleveland and the rest? And are you back down with the Washingtons and Milwaukee's now? I still think because of Brad Stevens and because you still have uh, Horford and Kyrie, and Kyrie's just going to get better in this in the system, um, that they're still going to be a very strong team. Which, it, it look, they're not going to drop out of that top five in the East, as we said on previous shows. That top five of Washington, Toronto, Cleveland, uh, Milwaukee, and Boston. They're the ones uh, who are going to run the East. Now, instead of number one or number two, do they slide to number three or four? Completely. Um, a lot of this is going to depend, obviously, on the young kids. And and that's what makes it kind of an interesting uh, part. Because uh, you look at this team and you're like, well, do you think Al Horford has a lot left in the tank? He's 31. It, it, is it detrimental to hold on to him and his salary for a year if you don't think it's going to you know, make the... Because truthfully, I think this team's ceiling is second round where they are now. I mean, really? I mean, I don't re- like you would really. So you have- don't feel there's a possibility of conference finals for them? I just don't see them taking out Toronto at this point. Um, mm-hmm. I, I I'd think- agree that Toronto or Washington's the favorite, but I, I'd give them uh, a puncher's chance because um, I give them a puncher's we're chance. About, be- we're talking about three two-star teams, right? Yeah. 
Uh, but I mean, they're a really young team who we've seen can make a lot of mistakes when you're, I mean, I, I think Jalen Brown is turning into a stud before our eyes um, on both sides of the ball. Um, guys like Jason Tatum, um, I, I know I was really hard on him coming out of the draft, but he's he's stepping up and starting to get better. Marcus Smart's looking legit. Uh, Terry uh, Rozier ha- has really been someone who was who almost an afterthought in this offseason. People talking about guys they're expecting to step up. And Rozier has given them a ton of points. Um, and, um, you know, they've got a bunch of their big bodies on the wings. So if these guys can step up, I think they have the pieces, the athleticism, and... It's it's just the depth, and when Kyrie and and uh, Horford aren't killing it for them, are rookies and second-year players really going to take over, finish games, make strong possessions? Because we've seen, I mean, look, it's like, uh, look, I was about to take credit for it, but it's like Justin always says, uh, rookies don't win you games, right? So like these guys, I think, are going to make great strides. Unless but they're think, OG a newbie. <laughs> Oh, gee. <laughs> See, another reason why we're picking Toronto. Uh, but I I just think this team's going to make too many mistakes. And unfortunately, um, I think Kyrie Irving's going to feel he has to play hero ball a little bit too much. His percentages are going to go down. I think he'll still get you 25, 27 points because he kind of has to. Um, but this is a team that I, is going to learn a lot this year and be much, much better. Like, weirdly better because of it next year because these guys are going to be thrust in the situation but i don't know i like i i just don't see this team contending anymore and i think if look if you think al horford has a ton left in the tank and, he, and he's going to be fine next year when you bring hayward back then you don't touch it because you don't need more young talent but depending how you feel about horford i mean only their medical staff and their coach really feels that but but he looks good so i think you stay the course but my uh, my internal GM self would 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 at least ponder yeah. trading. Oh. Shock! Uh, I am shocked. <laughs> I would am at least shocked ponder trading Horford and, and some assets for. And that was going to be kind of my next question. With all that being said, like Justin, do you see them actually making any changes this season? Do you think they go into panic mode a little bit, or do you think they now are just looking at it as more of a long run and like, okay, this year we can only do so much. It's just one of those things that happens. Do you think they'll just kind of wait till next season, or do you actually see them trying to make some moves and sort of salvage uh, maybe something else and look at other options? I think they won't go into panic mode. I I think they will take a calculated look at what they can do to improve their team. Um, Danny H historically has shown that he kind of has those set evaluations for the value of his assets in his mind. And he's looking for options. He's looking for opportunities to improve. But unless the right deal comes along, he's not going to force it. As Phil said... They clearly took a step back where they they aren't in contention. I mean, I I didn't think that they had a serious chance of upsetting the Cavaliers, but um, they've taken a step back where they no longer appear to be the favorite to make the Eastern Conference Finals. Um, As a result of that, I I wouldn't be surprised to see them go out and try to look for some shooting because outside of Al Horford and Kyrie, you really don't have a lot of shooting in that starting lineup. I think Marcus Morris would be your third best shooter. Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum don't have three-point range yet, um, or at least proven three-point range. Um, so I think they need spacing for Kyrie to operate and for their slashers to work. So I wouldn't be surprised to see them pursue that. In terms of how Al Horford fits into the future, um, I 
it's difficult with Horford because he's a great player that matches up poorly against the Cavaliers, but the Cavs might be completely blown up next season. Um, he's only 31 years old. His game isn't predicated on athleticism. It's a result of his basketball intelligence, his vision as a passer. Um, so I think he's going to be able to be a productive player for a long time. You often see bigs age well, at least in comparison to guards that are reliant on their athleticism. Uh, worst case scenario, um, and something I, I think the Celtics actually should consider for the time being, is starting Aaron Baines and moving Al Horford to power forward, Marcus Morris over to the three, and then having one of the young guys there, just so that you have a little bit more of a veteran lineup. You're bigger, you're not giving up rebounds, um, because they were already gambling that the small ball was going to work out before, but without Hayward's talent, without what he brings to the table, um, they're going to need to value possessions a little bit more. They're need to, going to need to be a little more stout defensively. And I think by going bigger, they might be able to accomplish yeah, I think that. they'll end up probably, I'm sure, waiting a little bit, seeing how the rest of the team, if anybody sort of rises up and sort of fills that spot before they actually start to think about making moves or just, I mean, calling the season what it is and just seeing what they can do. I've got a strange <laughs> idea, guys. Would you, would you, okay, I get we can't get Anthony Davis. I've been slapped around enough for saying this. Would you go all in Al Horford and a bunch of young guys for maybe a Boogie Cousins and just roll the dice on that contract? I don't think they can make the best bid for Boogie Cousins. Like, I I get theoretically saying that, but you're saying Al Horford and like who? Who, who would be the sweetener there? I'm guessing you're saying Tatum at this point. Shit. I mean, I, I think New Orleans would take that, but I, I think that's a gross overpay. Um, well, yeah, I'm, I'm not even the highest on Tatum, but and, he, and he's 19, and so there's no guarantee. But Boogie's on an expiring deal. You have no guarantee he's going to stay there beyond the season. You have no idea how that's going to impact the chemistry. You're already a thin team and sacrifice a lot of your depth to bring in Kyrie and Hayward. Now all of a sudden you're going even thinner. You're reducing your young talent for a guy that could walk, and, and is notorious for having issues within the locker room. Like, are, are you confident he'd be he'd play within Steven's system? I'm not. I, like, I was going to say Marcus Smart just because they, uh, they're they going to have to figure out to pay him too. And with Kyrie there, like, like he makes sense. But I could see, like, although would the Pelicans actually take Smart after just uh, tossing Holiday a ton of money? Actually, I could see both of those in a backcourt together. That's not terrible. The Pelicans will throw money at anybody that can't shoot. Yeah. Okay, I think before we start getting too much into what if, Phil, I know that's your favorite, which is why it's best to stop you sooner than later. My ghoulish <laughs> ideas. <laughs> um, I'm going to take this a little bit off of basketball and talk about Popovich. I mean, he's always been a very outspoken person in the NBA, but recently... Um, he sort of answered a couple questions or went out on his own and decided to call Trump a pathological liar in the White House, unfit intellectually, emotionally, and physically, physiologically to hold this office. And the whole world knows it. What do you guys think about the whole stick to sports? Don't talk about anything else. I mean, I know this doesn't maybe affect us necessarily in Canada, but for a lot of people, a lot of these decisions actually do affect them. What do you think about these types of people stepping up and saying something, whether they're in sports or they're a celebrity or just any someone in some type of position of power? Justin? 
Um, I think what Popovich did is important um, because I think it lays the groundwork for players to come out and be outspoken, which is one of the better things about the NBA. Um, regardless of what your views are, I think it's positive that you do have a platform for that and you are empowered. Um, by Popovich doing that, players now can they can come forward. They can say that uh, with less fear of repercussions because if you allow Popovich to do it, you should be able to allow the players to do it as well. Um, obviously, it's a very serious subject and it affects everybody. Um, and him coming out and being so strong in what he was saying, I think it's really commendable. And it, it's, it's powerful when you have Popovich who is often a man of very few words come out and, and be calculated with what he's saying, but really come out and make a statement, um, especially in a place where that might not be received well in, in San Antonio. And um, just by Popovich doing so, um, I, I think it, it at least causes some fans to, to reconsider their status. I, I know the NBA statistically is a more left-leaning league when you're talking about um, the fan base, but there might be people that that for whatever reason are still on the fence that may be persuaded or are looking at things differently as a result. Yeah, of this. absolutely. Phil, are you kind of on board as well? Yeah, I actually think he is one of the most important people in terms of who could yeah, have absolutely. said this, and and I'll and, and I'll preface this for the idea of it actually has less to do with him being a coach or him being you know in the NBA. I think. The idea that you, when people look at issues like this, they associate Trump to an older, you know, uh, he's got the blinders on white man. And to say that someone who about that age group and, and that same demographic, now I'm not trying to pick on anyone individually, but for a person like that to say it, I think it makes more people stand up and listen Right, because uh, uh, sometimes when you're dealing with sensitive subjects, when it's just the people who are being oppressed who are, who are talking about it, some people can put a bit of a blind ear to it because uh, they don't, you know, uh, relate on a certain level or, or or different sides. But I think someone coming from that side, I mean, outside of an NBA owner, which I think would have been, which would be the best, because I think in a lot of cases after the whole Donald Sterling thing, like the whole idea of, you know, the us and them bit has really become prevalent. But I think he had like really, like his voice in that level because of who he is, mm -hmm. uh, really resonates strongly. Yeah, absolutely. And especially because his the ownership group in San Antonio is Trump supporters and, and they do donate to him regularly. Like I, I and they respect Popovich and and even though they don't necessarily agree with what he's saying, um, they're at least still giving him the platform. And as I said, I think that's why it's important that it's laid the groundwork for players to speak out as yeah, well. Absolutely. I mean, I don't think this is something that's going away. You even saw last night uh, one of the anthem singers before the game during her last couple of verses uh, decided to take a knee as well. So this is obviously something that's not going away. I don't really think it should go away anytime soon, especially before we've had a conversation about what can actually change but with that being said we are running out of time here and obviously there's this topic could pretty much go on endlessly uh so i'm just gonna try and cut it off now uh so thank you guys for tuning in today and i hope you guys all have a very happy halloween and make sure you catch up with us next week to cover our latest stories in basketball and the nba 
And don't forget to head over to PressBasketball.com to follow all of our original content as well as following us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at PressBasketball. So thanks, Justin. Thanks, Phil, for joining me once again. And we'll see you guys next week. Peace.